The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The 1975 is already famous. Like, they make millions. Yeah. And yet, you feel the need to, like, write this. Like, they're going to be famous whether or not you write about them. So it's almost like, might as well get my hot take in here and get get some clickbait. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. And I'm Jenna Million. And this is the podcast where we take the piss and debunk music fan stereotypes. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. So, Sarah, what is our topic of discussion today? We're going to be discussing the 1975 because they are a very polarizing band, which I find crazy because I feel like they're one of the better alternative bands that have come out and like gotten like radio fame in like the past 10 years. But the media hates them and then they love them and then they hate them again. Like Maddie Healy is a very polarizing man. And I think that when there's a band that has such a clear front man, it's always a very interesting thing because sometimes like the front man can bring a band bring a band down and bring a band up without the rest of the band even having anything to do with it. Yeah. I personally wish that I could just like I I wish more than anything I could just like spend an afternoon like really getting to understand Maddie Healy, like sitting in a room with him being like, how do like, what's going on here? (laughs) What what is your brain? Yeah, exactly. I just want, want to hear more, but at the same time. But at the same time, (laughs) he knows how great he is. Yeah, exactly. So it's like off-putting. So it's like those things where it's like a really big turn on and a really big turn off at the exact same moment. And you're like, Maddie Healy, cool. (laughs) Which which overpowers the other, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends. I feel like it depends how much he likes you of, like, what side of him you're going to get. Because, you know, some interviews you watch, you're like, oh, okay, like, he's he can be down to earth when he wants to be. And then other times you're like, whoa, dial it back. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, I feel like uh, we're enough episodes in for everybody to know that I just have, like, really loud opinions. <laughs> and Jenna has, like, more intellectual thoughts about these things. <laughs> So I'm here to level out Sarah's chaotic energy. So um Jenna, would you like to, This is uh, what we <laughs> Would you like to do a better job of explaining why you were drawn to the 1975 because I mean, I I just like at that point in life was just like, oh, they're British. I'm going to listen to them. Mm. And then um and that was just based solely off of how much I love Arctic Monkeys. And I'd be like, well, I guess any band coming from like Northern England is going to be good. <laughs> and so that was my thing yeah. for like a while where I was like, oh, they're like from Northern England. Going to buy that album. Yeah. Um, and thankfully with the 1975, it was the right option. Um, but yeah, you you have some better takes on (laughs) (laughs) why you think the 1975 is like so important in music history so would you like to share I would love to share thank you so I found out about 1975 before their first album was even released so it was probably 2012 since their their first full length came out 2013 Mm -hmm. um I don't remember how I found them but it was probably something related to tumblr and I feel like thinking back on this this was like the first time that I felt like there was a band that I liked that was like this full package of like it wasn't just the music it was an identity it was you know a way of thinking it was art like visual art like encompassing with it and you know with their EPs and then their first album they were all black and white and this was an aesthetic and it's funny now because looking back it's kind of like an overrated thing but at the time they were like one of the first bands doing that 
um, and just kind of like creating this full aesthetic for themselves. And as far as like even how they dressed um, and everyone was wearing black and all of that. And it became an identity for the, for the fan base as well. And then taking that into the live setting of like, of course, when they, you know, were first starting out, maybe they didn't have as much production, but like even their, like once their album came out, they, they had like the, the glowing, like rectangle um even just the white lights that like that was part of their show and it just felt like their show was like when you were there you were transported to like another time in another place and it was like you it was just like this full immersion experience I always thought their music was so compelling live like the live experience was unlike anything else and then of course like the more uh, resources they they had, their second album, they just completely transformed that. And so even now, like their live experience is just like another level of, you're not just going to see a band play, like you're going to have a full experience. And so for me as a teenager, like that was one of the, like the very first bands that I felt that way about. And so I think that is what, you know, really like drew me to this band. Yeah, and I I feel like that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like they very much were just like, angsty teens even though they were like not teens they were like in their early 20s but I just feel like they were like they were catering towards people who like needed to feel like they belonged and they did a really good job at that their music was like very much for like people who were like going through it and like people who were kind of lost and so I feel like them knowing that and I feel like this is another instance of like Maddie actually being right about how much he like understands about what like the music like the music bubble like is about sort of thing is that like they did have like a very clear like we're a community like we want you to feel like you belong here we want like everybody to like feel like yeah he's always been very like very inviting to the fans and like he definitely cares a lot about them um and looking out looking out for them too yeah no 100 percent, and i feel like that is why I've always thought that it was weird and like kind of upsetting how much the media has like lambasted them like and gone from like oh like we hate them to like we love them to them being critical and like all that sort of stuff it's just like a very it's like a very I feel like the 1975's relationship with the media is a very toxic one and it's like very interesting as again like somebody who does music journalism but like not full-time to just like see how people who work for like the big music publications like sometimes seem to be like oh okay like we want to like bring this guy down a peg because he thinks like that he's like a alternative music messiah um, sort of thing which i think will brings us to like the first big idea of this is it's just like their tumultuous relationship with um the british publication enemy dun 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 (laughs) like suspenseful music it's one of those things that literally i just like i can't fathom like how much a music public like how much a music publication can feel that like it's their job to like make a band feel less than so basically like background the enemy is like one of the biggest um music publications in the united kingdom and like them liking you is a big deal and it's a really good magazine like they're usually pretty on point with like their opinions and all that sort of stuff but they have like an award show every year and they in 2014 they picked the 1975 as the worst band of the year right that was what the title was yeah I don't know enough and there isn't enough like back like right now like six years after the fact like six or seven years after the fact like it seems like they buried it it seems like they buried the fact that they had this like beef with the 1975 because I mean if you watch interviews with Maddie in 2014 like people would bring up the facts there was a video interview with Maddie and like this German publication in 2014 where he where the girl asked like the girl who was interviewing him asked maddie like oh like how like i don't understand like why they like hate you so much or why they're so negative like you guys are doing like really big things and maddie's like you don't have to like compliment me like it's okay and she's like no like it's just like personally i think you guys are doing like how you were explaining Gemma, like saying like 
that they're doing something different and something that's like kind of needed in that music scene sort of thing and Maddie kind of like went from being very diplomatic to being like the enemy is just filled with like students who are trying to like make a point and like their opinion doesn't matter and like he got really angry about it I mean because I remember because I was a fan before that their first album dropped I remember reading this like horrendous review of it in NME Mm -hmm. and in sort of like disbelief that like I was like, but this is good. Like, why are you saying this is bad? Like, and even listening now, I don't understand why anyone gave it bad reviews. Like, I just don't. But maybe, I mean, it's all a matter of opinion. But at a certain point, like, you can respect what an artist is doing and be like, yeah, that's good. It's not for me, but like, it's good. And I don't know why, like, publications were not down with this album like I don't get it and so I think it's hilarious that literally like the the next album cycle they flip-flopped and was like oh actually enemy or enemy uh 1975 is the best band in the world it's like you shit on them (laughs) you shit on them a few years ago (laughs) you're still shitting on them and I just I don't get it like I, I it's just comical yeah it's it's I think that it's so crazy because like listening there's so many bands that when you go back and listen to their first record you can objectively be like okay like this isn't that great but I feel like their first record still stands as like a good album it's like yeah but it's like Maddie Healy still doesn't enunciate when he sings so like it's not like that's just who he is yeah like and it's just that it's that thing where like I feel like I always assume that like music journalists were Uh, like unbiased opinions like they go into something and they review it just based off of like here's like a 10 like a 10 number like a a numbered chart of like what makes a good record and that's how you do it and I feel like they just get really personal and it's really weird to me because it's like I I just have I've never understood like why like the need to like shit on a band um just because you like don't get it I also think that, okay, if we think about the context of like 2013 and when this record came out, because I have the Pitchfork review up and they gave it a 5.9. So they're like, they're talk, they're, they're mentioning like Phoenix, M83, Arctic Monkeys, Tudor Cinema Club. And the thing mm-hmm. with these bands is those were all bands that like had like indie cred. They had cred yeah. already in the alternative world. And I think the 1975 with this record it like very obviously skewed towards a young female audience and I feel like that is in part what maybe like set journalists off of like because their songs um they literally have a song called girls sex chocolate all this stuff it was like it was clearly very like provocative album and that teen girls were enjoying it and I think adult men just couldn't take it seriously like I think they couldn't get over themselves to like understand it I feel like most of the stuff that we're talking about always comes back to the underlying theme of this podcast which is that the people who have like the power in like the music industry whether that be like journalism or like actual industry folks or whatever the case may be it's like the second that they see like adoring like teenage girls that's when they they get afraid and they're like we don't know like oh can can we can we like this like is it okay like is it cool to like this and then they oh there's always that narrative as I've said multiple times of like there being that point where somebody in journalism is like oh like this is this is their Justin Bieber purpose like this this is their record that like made them acceptable out to people outside of like teen girls and so I feel like when the 1975's first record came out like there was already a fan base in place like because they had had like an EP and like other stuff coming out and so it's like these journalists already like saw who listened to them and it's like okay even if we like it, we have to say we don't. Like, I'm sure, I'm yeah, sure that's not. Them. Yeah, I, I feel like they definitely typecasted them. And I'm sure that they're not like, oh, we have to say we don't like it. But I just think that it feels even more so like that because it only took one other record for everybody to be like, oh, this, this is the best band that's ever like existed. Oh my God. Whereas like other artists in that same spectrum, usually the turnaround of all of music journalism getting on their side takes more than just a sophomore like LP 
Like it's usually like the third or fourth yeah. when they get that treatment. Whereas with them, it very much was like their sophomore record sold like a hundred thousand units. I have a few thoughts on sure? what you're saying. So first off, it's completely like the fact that the men who run the music industry are like afraid of teen girls is ridiculous because like the 1975 in part owe their fame to the teen fangirls who gave them their money and then gave them a platform and then got them on the radio like yeah. the 1975 was like no, like their first lp they were still very like not accepted by mainstream as we've mentioned mm-hmm. and then they blew up and why did they blow up because the teen fangirls were all there and fanboys and our fan non-binary friends as well but point being of like it's like it's like suddenly if the if it's not curated by the music industry themselves and there's like a band doing something on their own they're like oh we can't have that and then they just like want to pigeonhole them into certain genres yeah and this vice article we looked at um it's from 2016 so their set when their second album came out and it's titled The Curious Case of the 1975, the most hated and the most loved band in the world. Um, I thought this article was really interesting because it's talking about them in the context of genres and other bands that were popular at this time and basically saying how the 1975 didn't fit into any genre categories. Yeah. And as we know, genres are used for marketing purposes to melt, like to make, to sell records. Yeah. Um, and just because it's popular doesn't mean it's po- like this is also an issue with for me with hip-hop versus pop music because is pop music like pop the sound or popular music because hip-hop is the biggest genre in the world right now yeah tangents point being they were like oh 1975 is a rock band and then maddie was like we're not a rock band but and then but like they kind of are rock bands but they're like, yeah. like not alternative because they're too pop and they didn't fit into any genre which like IMO is a good thing because like genre bending music is really sick but at the time it's just like we have to put you into a category you don't fit into any of the categories and therefore we don't like you and that's my that's my thing where I feel like again like I music genres just confuse me because I'm like why like why does it matter it's like you like it or you don't like I mean I understand like umbrella terminology of being like here are like the five types of music but again like pop music I feel like there needs to be something else for that name because pop literally just means popular music, which can be any any genre whatsoever because exactly. it's like the automatic thing that people think of when they think of pop music is like, oh, like Dua Lipa, Britney Spears, like that sort of stuff. But it's like technically like Rascal Flatts is a pop is... band <laughs> because they're on the Te- radio. Yeah. <laughs> technically pop is popular music. Yeah. yeah. So it's ridiculous. And so it's just, there's just like that crazy narrative like around all these things. And then there were, I don't know how to pronounce this, but there's this Australian magazine called Coupe de de Math. But in this interview, um, Maddie was saying that they felt like they were never embraced in like the hipster press because they just like made music for fun. Like they weren't creating it for any other reason than because they loved making music. And so he was saying how like they were voted as the worst band of the year by the enemy. And he was like, it didn't bother us because these kind of publications and those ideas are based around the frivolous, brittle elements that surround music and not actually about music itself. And it's all about what's cool or what's past or what's present, whereas that doesn't affect us. And I feel like that's just like very much like what we're saying here in like a very nice sound bite <laughs> but it's true I feel like that's the thing is it's like the one is like music journalism in a way is just like a very stark white room of like here are like the ways that this that music works and like if you don't fit into like this box then like we're not interested and it's like why mm-hmm. can't you just it's like you became a music journalist because you love music like when did the when did the disconnect happen that you feel like you have to like use the like societal norms so to speak to like talk about music instead of being like oh this band is having a freaking good time and so are their fans and so it's just like a very interesting narrative around it all where maddie's just like we just make music for the fun of it and the fact that people like care this much and like are this invested is really beautiful but so it doesn't matter like what the media thinks (laughs) 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, so Maddie's been very outspoken about that topic in particular, about how we just make music for us. Like, I don't really care what the media says, which I think is the most important point here, because in this conversation, like as we have these conversations about how the media portrays different artists, it does feel like the media is just like there. It's as clickbait for like the music industry. Like, (laughs) like what is honestly like what is the purpose of having these types of reviews what is the purpose other than clickbait well I think that when reviews first happened like pre-internet just like get it like picking up like a music zine at like your local like newspaper stand like you would buy it to decide what record you were going to go buy at the shop that Friday whereas like now I don't think that I think it's more of like a clout thing in a way where it's like oh I'm so-and-so and and I write for like so-and-so publication like this my my like opinion matters more than yours whereas like back in the day it was like a helpful guide this is a very true point I mean because if you think about it now music is so accessible you can just stream anything at any time you want so you can have you can make the decision yourself but I think it's interesting that like this is just such a thing of like publications shitting on bands when like the 1975 is already famous like they make millions yeah and yet you feel the need to like write this like they're gonna be famous whether or not you write about them so it's almost like might as well get my hot take in here and get some some clickbait well yeah I think I think that that's the really interesting thing about like music journalism and journalism in general is like is that people like the human condition is that we want to know what's going on and like the hotter the take the more likely it is to be read I think and I feel like that's why people are opinionated and like why so like there was another article that I pulled up this guy named what's his name Johnny Long wrote this thing for this UK publication called the tab which I think is literally just all op-eds I don't know I've never I never heard of it until doing research for this but he wrote an article that was called it's time to admit the 1975 are the lamest band in the world right now and I hated like, this so much <laughs> and it's like going back to like our first episode when we read that dumb op-ed by that guy who explained why being a three-song man is acceptable and fine it's the same sort of yeah. thing of like uh, one man taking himself so seriously like his opinion so seriously that like he doesn't realize that what he's writing is mocking himself too yeah because this uh, this journalist if we want to call him that <laughs> sorry maybe he's fine now this was four years two this was two years ago so I feel like that's a bit he was like behind the times ma'am But in the article, he said, like, the problem with the 1975 is that they take themselves too seriously, mistakenly thinking they're making some divine contribution to art and culture when really they're making music for people who want to cry after having sex. Bruh. If a man cried after having (laughs) sex... Go ahead. I was just saying, if I can make a man cry after sex, I feel like you've done a good job, but... (laughs) Anyway. Bruh. He wrote this in 2018 like the 1975 arguably have already contributed to art and culture in a divine way at this time like it's already happening (laughs) like because there's like there's so many bands who have like followed in their footsteps in one way or another whether that be 
the like genre bending of it all or the like branding of it all like the 1975 like set precedent to oh yeah to branding with a purpose oh yeah again as we've said it's like the Beatles are a brand now the Rolling Stones are a brand now but that like happened organically whereas the 1975 were like the 1975 is a brand and a band like we want people mm -hmm. to think of a specific look and style and thing when they hear our name and they did that and they did it themselves. Yeah. That's the important part. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't music industry telling them what to be. It was authentic. It was true. And that's why it works so well. And that's why fans latched onto them in that way. And so I just, I just always, I think it's really insane how this guy wrote that whole, this whole article about saying like, oh, like Maddie's cliche and like how like the lyrics aren't the same thing where he like decided to like shit on the song girls being like oh like he thinks that they're being deep but like on the surface it's just creepy like quoting girls being like oh give it a rest i could persuade you give me a night i'll make you like I, maddie healy's not trying to convince a girl to like that rape's okay like that's not what's happening <laughs> like, ah but i feel like this is what this guy is saying is like oh like these lyrics are like very like oh you're trying to like pressure a girl to sleep with you and it's like no like this is you trying to make something out like building yeah. like a mountain out of nothing because yeah. you don't want to admit that a band you don't like it does have deeper meaning behind things because again like no matter what complaints you have about Maddie Healy and like the way that he writes or the way that he kind of like puts glitters on like puts glitter all over something that like shouldn't have glitter all over it a la his like heroin addiction but like Maddie, like his he does things in like the a poetic way in doing so, like a lot of the nineteen seventy-five stuff is very tongue in cheek. And so when people are like, oh, like this is creepy, it's like, no, like have you ever like did you listen to anything other than like you googling like semi-problematic the nineteen seventy-five lyrics? Yeah. So I just and I think that stuff like this like massages Maddie's God complex. It definitely does. But I think that Maddie is a hundred percent authentic in the art he makes. Like this is how he just this is just how he is. Like I don't think he's like trying to prove anything to anyone. I mean, he said they make music because that's what they like doing. And like, yes, his personality is strange. And yes, he probably has a god complex, but like he's not doing it for anyone else. Like this is just how just he, who is. he is like i think yeah. even if he hadn't been in a band like he would be like your friend's boyfriend who's like kind of annoying but like you yeah. also want to be sat next to him when you go to the pub so it's like that thing where you're like he's why is he here but then you like have two pints and you're like can your like narcissistic boyfriend continue to tell me about why he's the best person <laughs> ever because i think he might be so it's like <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, there've been people through, through history, like on the side of art and uh, music and also like poetry, even like who are like this, who are just yeah. like, you know, so it's I, it, like, it's not Maddie. It's not like him, like being performative at all. Yeah. And it, it's not, yeah, exactly. It's not fake. And that's the thing. And that's the reason why I think that he gets away with it is because he's so, it's so organic and so natural for him that you're like, okay, like you have narcissistic tendencies, but like you admit it. Like that was the one thing is that in that same article by Johnny Long, he quoted something from Maddie, but I don't know where it's from. Um, and the quote is, is that it was maybe about the search for God or my envy of the faithful. There is an element of feeling a bit like the Messiah. Well, not somebody who's here to have human, to save humanity, but somebody for whom the world just truly revolve around them. I don't know where this is from. This doesn't even sound like something that would have, that Maddie would have said. I'm Googling it. <laughs> but like, I do feel like, I don't know. I feel like he would. No, it is. It's from the Guardian. Okay, so that quote is from The Guardian, and Maddie's just like that he, and Maddie admits that he is pretentious, but he doesn't want to apologize for it. Like, that's literally the quote of the title of this The Guardian article, which is from 2016. Oh, I literally I also think the, the fact that he's so frank about it, like, yeah. he very, like, plainly speaks about, like, his self-awareness and, like, how he's a narcissist. I think people don't like that. Like, they can't handle it. Well, I think, I think, I think also like a lot of these interviews are done by men. And I think that 
when men are around like other men who like think very highly of themselves I think that it makes them uncomfortable because Mm -hmm. I feel like the male thing of like wanting dominance but like not wanting to like admit that you're trying to be the dominant one in the room is like it's very fragile like the male ego is very fragile and so I think that when there is a man who's kind of saying all the things that most men wish that they could say which is like yeah I am pretentious yeah I think that I might kind of be a messiah of sorts and things like that like so many men want to say things like that when they're talking to people about stuff that they're like, passionate can I get about away with it? but they're just like I can't like I won't I, I won't do it like they think like I don't know I don't know what it is but like Maddie gets away with it and I don't have a like as somebody who hates that sort of stuff like I don't have a problem with it because he's so confident in the fact that he is so confident and it's kind of like okay like I'm gonna give you a pass because you're admitting that you're like a pretend a pretentious twat but like you don't care like it doesn't bother you that that's who you are but I agree but I also feel like he has the receipts to back it up because like he Mm. has the artwork like he's put in the work like he's not just like saying it and like on no basis like yeah he has the work to show for it too yeah and he's just he's just very self-aware and I think that that's really great and like um, my only real issue with Maddie is that I do think that he has like made heroin addiction out to be something that's like kind of like beautifully sad and I don't and I think that he's talked about it before and that that wasn't what he was going for but I do think that in some cases like maybe dial it back a wee bit because I think that when once you know that that he had like a heroin problem it's very easy to know which songs are about it and I think that it's also very much like heroin sounds cool now Maddie Healy (laughs) it's like why why would you do that and so I think that his like lack of filter and his like want and like need to be like brutally honest and open with everyone, which is like something that's very incredible, I think at the same time can be a bit detrimental in some cases. Like I don't, I, I don't think that anybody's started taking heroin because of Maddie Healy, but I think that there is like that like he's towing the line of making it something that sounds like maybe this is part of their brand. Do we all become heroin addicts? Oh my God. I do think that 1975 has a way of romanticizing things like drug, sex, and rock and roll, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think in general, like the way he talks about things. Yeah. Cause I mean, I don't, I don't think he's trying to romanticize it, but that, no, no, that no. is like yeah. often how it comes off, which is like, the same criticism people are giving him about being shallow but 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 like but he admits that like he admits to all of that you know but I feel like he yeah. and I feel like he lots of times has said that like he's not trying to romanticize it but it's like it comes from like a personal place of like okay this is him talking about his relationship with yeah. heroin or addiction whatever it is and like that's one thing so like in his art like he's allowed to talk about that he's allowed to like hold those views in that way because it's a personal thing for him and like people need to know that's what it is it's not him advocating one way or another because their art that's not what their art is it's him speaking on his platform yeah no completely you're 100 percent right but like and i think that's the whole thing with like poetry and like all that stuff like if you read like hemingway or any of those sort of people, like, they all, like, struggled with addiction, and, like, when you read the poems and that sort of stuff, like, it always romanticizes, like, depression and addiction and all that sort of stuff, but it's romanticizing it in a way of, like, I don't want somebody reading this to romanticize it, but I want them to know that I was doing it because I had romanticized it, and so that's the thing with with Maddie and I think that he's tried to make that clear in interviews and stuff is that like I romanticize it it's about like my thing I'm not asking my fans to romanticize it but at the same time I feel like and this is my personal opinion but I just I feel like he would never hold himself accountable if a fan did wind up being like he's romanticized something so much that now I have a problem like he would never be like that I okay I see how I messed up like I don't think he would be able to do that but I mean I'm sure that that would be like hard for anyone but I think that that brings us to like the points of like the way 
that Maddie, and again, I know this is about the 1975, but Maddie's the front man and like he's the one with the voice. So he gets the brunt <laughs> of all of this. So yeah, quick before we um, dive into the next thing, I think it's important to point out that like culturally, like when it comes to musicians and being a band, it is so much easier for people to latch on to like one person as an identity versus yeah. like a group of people who are like equally who have shown themselves equally. And so it's yeah. like Maddie obviously stands out as the front man of this. I mean, you, some people could argue like this is Maddie's thing. <laughs> you know, yeah. This is Maddie's project. But like they've been together since they were so young, like they, the four of them. So, I mean, it's not that way, but Maddie's very like outspoken <clears throat> about all of it. And then we hear from George occasionally. Point being is that from the fandom side, it's easier to like latch on to this identity of the 1975 because Maddie is so much like a front man and like a yeah. spokesperson for him. And I feel like just throughout history, there's always been like either two members out of a four piece band or like one member who's like always the one being discussed. But I think that also just makes can sometimes make things easier for like people like Ro- like members like Ross and Adam who like are very musically gifted but might not want to be like famous you know because i mean fans will still latch on to people like the members that don't speak as much so i think that within fandom all members are celebrated and i just think that like within like journalism and like all that sort of stuff it's easier to have like one person who's a spokesman Mm -hmm. for the band Mm -hmm. And then fans can do as they wish with like the information they have about others. So what I was tr- going to get to was that like Maddie's persona of like how I said that I think that Maddie is so sure of like himself in the way that he articulates what he's trying to do with their music and stuff that he would never like be like, oh yeah, like I fucked up or whatever the case may be. But I think that that's a lot of the like narcissism and like white male privilege of it all and I think that that brings us to like the way that Maddie is very like politically and culturally active in that I think that he his narcissism which like it's fine like narcissism is like a personality disorder like I'm like I don't hold it against him that this is who he is like it has nothing to do with him being in a band if he wasn't in a band he would still be like this you know like it's just it's just it's just who he is Um, But I think that the white male privilege of it all is that, like, he doesn't understand that he can get away with, like, saying and doing things that, like, other people can't. And while I think that it's incredible that he is very, like, outspoken politically and, like, will do these things, I think that there have been many instances of, like, the right and wrong way to do it coming from Mm -hmm. him. In that, like, how they had that song where they had... um, Greta Thunberg like Mm -hmm. read like a speech about climate change like a plus that's a great way of like acknowledging your political views raising money for a good cause doing something great with the platform that you have but then like on the other hand then they did a gig like a a gig in Dubai where um being LGBTQ is uh punishable by law like you can go to jail and um there was like an article from CNN that just like explained the events that happened, like a news story, because like this was newsworthy. This happened last year in 2019. And there was a video that had like saw Maddie Healy, like going to the front of the crowd and asking a man if he wanted to kiss him. And then he kissed this fan and he like returned to the stage and Maddie was like, I love you, bro. We're all human, right? But like, you can literally be like imprisoned for like homosexuality in this country. And so doing something like that, where in in the moment, like that fan who's from Dubai is probably like, oh my God, I'm going to kiss Maddie Healy. Like the the thoughts of like what this can happen, especially because there's video, there's like proof that this happened. Like the aftermath isn't something that's on your mind because Maddie Healy is like in your face asking if you want to kiss him. Because, like, so you're not thinking of, like, what can happen. And so, but the audacity (laughs) of that man to be, like, I'm going to do something that's really illegal to, like, prove a political point. It's, like, if you want to prove a political point for that, it's, like, kiss George. Like, kiss somebody else. It was very out of place, yeah. Yeah, like, kiss somebody else in the band who also probably won't get in trouble for doing something. And And then he tweeted after the show. 
He tweeted, thank you, Dubai. You're amazing. I don't think we'll be allowed back due to my behavior, but know that I love you and I wouldn't have done anything differently given the chance. Mm. Case and point of Maddie Healing having no regrets for what he's doing when like we don't, I mean, I don't know the backstory, but like that fan very could have like could have been punished like yeah. for that and we don't know. So um yeah, I agree what you're saying, his point of, like, he's so, like, that, it's just very, that, like, was a very inappropriate thing to do, and the time and the place, and, like, respecting other cultures, and, like, even though you, like, want to stand up for this, and, like, that's your beliefs and all of that, but the fact that it could come down badly for another person is really selfish. Yeah, exactly, and that's, that's the thing, is it's, like, I personally think that, like, Maddie Healy is, like, a very smart man like he articulates himself very well like all these things but my mindset would have been that if you have time to think about something after a show and that you've done something illegal that you could be like I don't regret what I did but like if I could like I probably should have just like kissed somebody in my band or like something along those lines just to acknowledge that like you put somebody else's life at risk Mm -hmm. and so it's just those things and I mean a less like a less like detrimental example of like something of him again just like using his platform in a way that's like for good but also like a bit like farther I think where it's like he's not going to feel the backlash of it all really because he's not from these countries that he's like doing these things in and like stuff like that where there was like a big story back in it was also in 2019 2019 feels like 3,000 years ago Jesus I thought this was so old so there where he was at the um hangout fest in Alabama which is like a southern state like very like backwards (laughs) backwards like political thinking in that like they don't believe in the separation of church and state sort of thing and And, yeah yeah, women's right to abortion more specifically yeah so I think there was at the time there was something that had just happened that was like restrictive of women's reproductive rights they they had um there was a there was a court case where a 12 year old had been raped by like her stepdad or like something along those lines like somebody that she knew and she was pregnant and the guy took her to court because he didn't want her he wanted he didn't want her to abort the baby and he wanted like parental rights to the child and they ruled in his favor i'm pretty sure like it was really really messed up and and there was like and so because of that like off the back of that then there I think that there was a case that got brought to the Alabama Supreme Court about like abortion being legal or not I'm not sure if it's in Alabama but I know there are some southern states that like if you have a miscarriage it's it you can get uh, arrested for murder so it's like it's like we this is America (laughs) Um, but so like this is like a case of like Maddie was on stage at this concert and he felt like he should be like talking about like the importance of like freedom of expression and like advocating for women's rights and so like he did it like what he did in the grand scheme of things was like smart and he like was acknowledging like how he looked into like this abortion bill that they were trying to pass and he said that um he goes there's people men in the active government actively comparing the harrowing difficult life choices of female american citizens to the holocaust he's like to the holocaust (laughs) that's a disgrace and he goes if you think the holocaust is analogous to those things people will call you a monster but i will tell you you are fundamentally uneducated and then he like continued to be like the reason i'm so angry is because i don't believe in this ban it's about the preservation um, that he doesn't believe the ban is about the preservation of life. He believes it's about controlling women, which he goes, you are not men of God. You are simply misogynistic wankers. So like, <laughs> oh, this is, like this is one of those things where it's like, he's using his platform in a way of like, that was really powerful and really important. But at the same time, it's like, you're not, you're not American. Like you're not like from here. Like what you're saying is great, but like you, you're speaking like, 
in some senses you're preaching to the choir and in other senses you're preaching to no one because you're in a state where people might not be on the same side as you and so it's like I understand why he did what he did where he did it but at the same time it's like if you have this battle you want to fight take it somewhere where you can actually fight the battle I don't know I think what he did was okay I mean if you're a if you're a fan of the 1975 you probably know like his political yeah. views on things of course i'm sure there's some like more casual listeners who might have been taken off guard by that but i think what he did in that sense was okay because it's raising awareness of the subject and also the way he talks about empowering women is in a good way um, yeah yeah and so i think it's more like how like if you think about yourself like being in the crowd and hearing that I think it's more empowering of like somebody somebody who has a platform is speaking out and like on something that I also believe on so basically like what I was saying is it's like the juxtaposition of like doing something illegal and then doing something where like you're speaking to people who like need to know that somebody that they care about is on their side because I feel like there's lots of like instances especially right now with like the presidential election coming up like there's so many instances of people just saying go vote and like not telling you who to vote Mm -hmm. for and so the fact that there's somebody in the spotlight who has this big of a following being like this is what I believe in this is what I stand for I think Mm -hmm. is incredible but sometimes I feel like he it's not performative but it gives the vibe of like a performative action because sometimes there's no follow-up yeah yeah I mean because in this context like he's not American um but so I see how like where you're coming from of it being like slightly out of place but I think I I mean because America we have freedom of speech it's it's better here than a country where there's more restrictions like I don't think it's appropriate to speak out in those places in the way that he did with the Dubai instance yeah I think more so just like what I meant is that like I think that it's really great that he like stood up for this and like did it in the place where they were doing something completely fucked but I think that what and I think and like we touched on this uh in when we were talking to the fans with about One Direction about like how they think that like Harry doesn't do enough or like any Mm -hmm. of them do enough with like sharing Mm -hmm. social justice things I think that when you're going to be this outspoken I think that the follow-up of being like here's where to donate money here's where to do this here's where to do that I feel like I you see it sometimes but like not as often as I think I would like for somebody who is that outspoken so Mm -hmm. again it's just the whole like white male privilege of it all of like true like he can say that but there's no follow-up yeah I see what you're saying I just feel like in every instance where he's he's trying his best and I think that it's like really impressive of everything that he's done, whether it be with like the branding of the band or like the music that they've created, the community that they've created, like all of these things. But I just always feel like it's either like he either goes one step too far or like he doesn't take the next step that is needed to like actually help. Yeah. <laughs> That's really like, funny. Because like he's a white man. He doesn't know he doesn't know the in-between. <laughs> it's one or the other. I feel like they're the archetype of like what bands should be doing with the like platform that they're given I feel like they have at least from like an outsider's perspective they've like built a community like they're accepting of the community that they've built they've like made people feel seen when they weren't when they didn't feel seen beforehand um and they like open people's eyes to like like social issues political issues those sorts of things and I feel like they probably have like empowered a lot of like young people to maybe like distance themselves from the like political socioeconomic like leanings of their families and I feel like Mm. they've given them a safe place to do that which I think is really wonderful yeah um so there's so much more good that outweighs like the negatives of the way Maddie Healy is but like again it's like something you can't hold against him because that's just his personality like it's very different of somebody like my favorite person to shit on Ashton Irwin who just has internalized misogyny and doesn't do anything to fix it whereas like Maddie is sitting there in an interview with the Guardian being like I'm a narcissist if you don't like it sucks to be you. I feel like it's really inspiring to like see somebody with this much of like a voice in the world to like just be so openly and honestly themselves.
Jenna, it is your turn to give us a band of the week in 30 seconds or less. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Count me, count me down. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> All right. So this week I chose an artist rather than a band. This dude's name is Gene Dawson. He's based out of LA. Um, and what I really love about him is that he's kind of this overlap between pop and hip hop and rock. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that this movement is kind of coming out right now where everything's just mixing together. I think his songs are super original. Um, you should go look them up because they're great. And the top songs that I would recommend are Power Freaks and Bruise Boy. And just also- Oh no, you're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, Jenna, it's the first time that we've run out of time. <laughs> so we hope that you guys don't hate us for being critical of Maddie Healy. I feel like we were very, like, constructive criticism, but also a lot of praise. I think we gave him a lot of praise. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think it was a well-balanced episode, just like a well-balanced breakfast. I feel like Maddie Healy would, would approve. I feel like he would be like, you guys get me. I think he'd write me a thank you note. Everyone tweet Maddie Healy to write Sarah a thank you note. Yeah, we're gonna start a Twitter campaign. So if you are upset with us or you agree with us or like have thoughts or feelings about what we talked about today, as always, you can come at us on Twitter. It's at Name3Songs. Or if you want to um, talk with us personally, I am at Sarah underscore Fagan and Jenna is at Jenna underscore million. Thank you guys for joining us this week on Name Three Songs. Until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Harry Styles. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. It really helps. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit Name3Songs.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.